Thanks for that, Greg. Uh, hello, Fremantle and guests and others. And if you're from other churches or whatever, it's we're, we're more than happy to have you here um, with us today, fellowshipping with us, fellowshipping with God. Um, and thanks, Greg, for sharing that story. Uh, and the singers and the musicians really appreciate all, uh, all of you contributing today. Um, there's been a couple of things that have happened since I was here last. What was he last night? Um, I just want to acknowledge Wade Cole for coming and preaching here a couple of weeks ago. He's on Matthew 6, and I'm going to revisit that because I listened to his sermon and I was like, I was very impressed by his sermon. But there's another aspect of Matthew 6 that I just want to bring out a little bit on. Um, and, and so we're going to go back to Matthew 6. But Wade Cole, his sermon, really awesome, really great. Um, if you want to listen to that, it's on our podcast, um, which can be accessed. Uh, through the Facebook page, and how else, Steve? How else can the podcast be accessed? Spotify. Spotify. Oh, yep. We're we're on all the podcast things. Just search for uh, Fremantle Seventh Adventist Church, um, and it's all up there. So. Sermons. There you go. Fremantle Seventh Adventist sermons. Um, uh, so Wade Cole came. Yep. Uh, uh, Troy and Alicia, wedding, yay, that was fantastic. <laughs> Those who attended, it was very beautiful and it was great to see this church packed out with people just to see these two lovely people commit their, their, their lives to each other and I see that Troy's not here, trouble in paradise already. No. <laughs> He's down at Cooley Cup. He's sick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's a shame that he's sick, but um, yeah, it was a great wedding and those who attended, it was, very, I'm sure you agree with a fantastic day um, altogether. Um, last time I was scheduled to preach here, I think was two weeks ago, um, but you had the blessing of Rob Flynn taking the service. So thank you, Rob, for taking the service in such short notice. Um, I will tell you a little bit about uh, uh, why that happened and maybe Rob shared that Jarrah wasn't doing too well. Um, but uh, as I was changing Jarrah's nappy, um, she took this eucalyptus uh, uh, menthol. Uh, it's it's for an it, it's for a humidifier. So a humidifier, you put a little bit of this oil into the humidifier, and it, it spreads it around into the air. And so it's meant to clean up clean up their sinuses and and help protect them from getting colds and things like that. Anyway, she took this bottle of concentrated oil and she decided to just pour it all over her face. Um, so some got into her mouth and she choked a bit and so tried to get... Man, I was freaking out at that stage. Um, some got into her eyes and there was a big concern about, for me anyway, that I'd blinded my child and, and so... I was under a lot of stress, and I really appreciate Rob alleviating me from that stress of uh, additional stress of preparing a sermon for the Sabbath. Um, Jara has come good. Uh, she she has no problem with her eyes. She sees very well, and she seems to be back to her energetic self again, despite having a cold. That's why she's not here. So she does have a cold, um, but she 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 seems to be very well. Um, and uh, yeah, there was just a little bit of uh, a time there, a couple, a few days that I was just freaking out. And and to make matters worse, Kelly was over at Geelong doing her nursing studies, so I was parenting by myself. Um, 
and that, yeah, freaked me out a bit, um, and there's been many tears on my part for, for a good uh, few days afterwards. But uh, we're here now, uh, let's, uh, let's get stuck into the Word, and uh, before I do, I'll just have a word of prayer. Dear Father in Heaven, uh, we just thank you that you are a God that we can have faith in, that you are a God that um, if we fall, you will help us back up, that you are a God that we can trust in and, and that your character, you and your very nature is a beautiful, wonderful, awesome thing and that, Lord, uh, you present yourself wholly and fully to us uh, and, 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 and essentially ask us the question, do you like what you see? Um, and for me personally, Lord, I love what I see, and for many others out here at, at Fremantle Church and others around the world, Lord, they like what they see, and they've responded to you. But Lord, we just pray again to show us more about your wonderful character, show us more about who you are as our God, uh, and warn against, uh, against uh, a sort of a, 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 a pretending religiosity, a, a sort of coming and just going through the motions, but actually, actually having a substantial, uh, wonderful, beautiful, loving, reciprocal relationship with you and what that can lead to in our lives. And so, Lord, we just pray for you to be here with us, with your Holy Spirit, guiding us with our minds and our hearts. Uh, and we pray all this in your wonderful blessed name, Jesus. Amen. So, <clears throat> Kelly... Kelly knows I'm going to talk about this, so you don't have to go, oh, Kelly, Cameron talked about an ex-girlfriend, okay? <laughs> she knows. Um, she's aware of who, who, who is, or who was, anyway. Uh, it's not is, it was, back in the past. She, when I say who it is, she's still alive today, <laughs> so that's what I meant by that. But anyway, back when I was doing studying um, uh, teaching at Avondale, I dated this girl, and her name was Tammy. Okay, and, and we started dating, and, and uh, she's a very lovely person. Um, she was studying international development studies. Who knows what that is? Oh, narrowly does. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I still don't know what it is. What is it? You see, it has to do with something about helping countries uh, like third world countries and countries that aren't as well off as like as first world countries, sort of helping them develop and grow and be better and, and that sort of stuff. That, that's as far as I kind of gained from that, uh, from what she t talked to me about. Um, I was studying teaching at the time um, and the reality was that Tammy and I couldn't be any more different Okay, so I was from the Gold Coast, I liked beaches and sports and rock music and punk music and computer games and board games and all these sorts of things. These were the things that interested me. But Tammy was from Adelaide and she was into very hippie things. I don't know if any of you are into hippie things, and that's fine if you are. But Tammy was into very, very hippie things like hemp clothing, like these, these weird fisherman pants that are like baggy sort of thin material. Um, they wear them in the summer. People, some people know what fisherman pants are, don't they? You, anyone else not know what fisherman pants are? <laughs> Alty does it. You're like me, never knew what they were until I met somebody that actually wore them. Um, so fisherman pants, she was into organic markets and things like that. She, she liked, like, um, for me, uh, she liked John Butler trio mu type music, 
but that's the surface level of hippie music, right? Like John Butler trio is where I'd be like, yeah, I'm happy here. She's like, no, I'm full into like hippie, weird sounding instruments, stuff like that. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm being negative about it. I shouldn't be negative about it. Um, and various other hippie music, um, drum circles, stuff like that. Um, and we dated for, I think it was maximum of three months. And the reason why we lasted so long was because I, I just went along with what she wanted to do. So she's like, oh, let's go to a drum circle. And I'm like, all right. I'm bored out of my brain. <laughs> There's a bomb, bomb, bombing away on these, like, uh, uh, what, are, what are they called? Mike, what are they called? Bongos? Bongos, whatever. Bonging away, and, and there didn't seem to be any structure or anything like that. But going along to the things that she wanted to go along to. And essentially, I realized that I was sort of just pretending in this relationship. I was just kind of going along because it was like, that's what she wants to do. I'll, I'll pretend to like it. And she goes, oh, what did you think? And I'll be like, yeah, it's good. And I'd go to the events that she wanted to go to that she was interested and I was just sort of pretending and, and as, like, obviously I'm married to Kelly now and so you can, re- you can know that we broke up, fortunately, and she ended up marrying somebody else um, and has a couple kids and, and, and the guy that she married, a very, good, a very good friend of mine, we went to college together as well. Um, but the reality was that I was just being pretentious in this relationship. I wasn't being authentic to the relationship because she was doing a lot of things that she was really passionate about and she was really interested in doing and she was really keen on doing. And I was just kind of going along and just going, oh, I'm bored. But you like it, okay? And, and I'm not saying like if you're different from somebody else, like Kelly and I have different things. Like she loves AFL. I don't like AFL, but... That's fine. She doesn't tell me, oh, come along, watch AFL with me. She's like very happy for me to do whatever else I want to do. But there are things that Kelly and I do sort of correspond with. And so we like good food. We like going to food truck uh, places. So uh, fortunately around where we live, there's this uh, uh, every, every fortnight, sorry, it was every week, but every fortnight they have food trucks and Kelly and I are really keen about going and t- trying out different foods and things like that. And I'm not saying you can't get along with somebody that you're completely different with, but it was just so vastly different between Tammy and I that we had different values and different things like that. And so I was just pretending in this relationship. And in Matthew chapter 6, yes, we're going to talk about faith, but we're also going to talk about genuine uh, authenticity in that, genuineness of that faith. And so Matthew 6, Jesus wants to address a relationship between people and him and encourage people to be authentic in that relationship, authentic in the outpouring of that relationship, in the actions that they're doing. So what Jesus is doing in this sermon is a sermon on the mount is, yes, he's talked about uh, uh, blessed are these people, blessed are those people. He's talked about um, the, being the salt and the light to those around us. He's talked about the law. He's talked about your heart, the nature of your heart. And now he wants to talk about uh, pretentious religion. He wants to say pretentious religion is out, authenticity is in. And some, I've heard, I've, there's a sort of this sort of uh, 
attitude or this, um, this thing that's common, especially in religious sort of circles or, or spiritual circles, or even in the Christian circle, that, that, that they say religion is bad. Religion is bad. Jesus is good. And I want to clarify there because I think like, I, I don't fully agree with that. I think some religion is bad, but if religion is done right, it's good. If religion is done correctly in the way that Jesus encourages us to do it, it's good. But if religion is done incorrectly, I've got to tick a bunch of boxes, then it's bad. I agree with that. But if religion is done right, it's good. Authenticity in religion is in. And so Jesus wants to encourage people here. He said the religion, that religion shouldn't be a performance. It's not a performance. It's not a show. It's not, it's not a theater. And yes, I'm here up on a stage presenting to you, but Jesus is going, no, it's not about, it's not about the performance of things. It's not about the show. It's, it, it's not about the theater in the context of elevating oneself. And Jesus, take, Jesus is taking aim here at the surface level of religion or this, or this uh, perception of, of a legal loophole of religion. Um, and here he wants to really get to the heart of things, a heart of what it means to have an authentic, genuine connection with God and the outpouring of that connection. And the word Jesus uses quite often or a couple of times in this section is the word hypocrite which simply means actor or pretender. A hypocrite in faith, acting out faith, uh, pretending in your faith. He's going, you're putting on a show, it's not real, your heart hasn't shifted in any way away from yourself. You're hoping to project an image out there that's not in harmony with what's actually going on in your heart. And Jesus is calling us to a genuine relationship with God that bleeds over into a relationship with people. And let's have a look at that. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And so he's saying, if you have a genuine relationship with God, this is what's going to bleed out of you. This is what's actually going to happen. So Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read the full chunk from Matthew chapter 6, 1 through to 18. Matthew chapter 6, 1 through to 18. And there's, about, there's three main areas we're going to draw out from here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through to 18. And it says this. This is Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. So he's just talked about, blessed are those people, blessed are these people, uh, uh, the, being the salt and the light, talked about adultery, or, or actually what we've talked about here, equality in, in treating everyone equal, especially women in that time, <clears throat> loving your enemies. And here he says, chapter 6, verse 1, take heed that you do not, uh, uh, sorry, do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as, a, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue, in the streets, that they may, be, they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So he's just talked about charitable deeds, now he's going to move on to prayer. 
And he says a very similar thing. And he says, And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly." And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for the Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, O Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then he moves on to the third section, fasting. He says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to be men, uh, to men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. Three times, three times, or there's three sections that are very similar in that, in that 1 through to 18. And the first one he wants to talk about is charitable deeds. Jesus is basically addressing these three areas of religious practice. And you might think, oh, in, in, in most churches, they have various religious practices. And that's very true. In our church, we have religious practices. We have singing, usually each Sabbath. We have prayer. We have giving over offering. We have a sermon or something like that or a discussion. These are religious practices. And he's addressing these particular three practices, saying that you can either grow and connect to God, or you can use these practices to glorify and uplift yourself. And he says several times, Tade, take heed, which basically means just give attention to, be careful with these areas, be mindful that, you're best, that you do your best in these areas, be careful, take heed. So let's quickly talk about the charitable deeds. Number one, charitable deeds from verses one through to four. Jesus is describing here that charitable deeds or service that is done for a fellow human being may or may not be about the fellow human being. It's like if I come in and it's like, this $5 here I'm giving to this homeless man. Everyone watching? There you are. This fanfare, this trumpet, he says, like trumpets, when people go and give money, do they have this fanfare? And I remember seeing this cartoon picture of, because of, uh, there's this online sort of, uh, uh, like social media stuff that goes on, and, and people will get their phones and they'll, they'll do this, they'll get a selfie and they'll be like, gave $10 to a homeless person, post on, on uh, social media, whatever it is, Snapchat, blah, 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 all, the, all them different social medias. It's like me going, hear ye, hear ye, everyone looking, 
Cameron's giving $5, $10, $50, whatever. Cameron is now helping somebody in some way. Look how good Cameron is. Is that about the person? Is that about the person I'm helping or is, who's that about? It's about me. So I may actually do something charitable, do something good, do some sort of service for you, but it may not even be about you. It may be so that I look good to those around me. That's hypocrisy. And in fact, even worse is that then you or the person that I'm, I'm doing charitable deeds to, you become the means by which I achieve something for myself. You become a tool that I'm using. You become a tool so people will view me in a certain light because I want them to think a certain way about me. And that makes me feel good. And Jesus comes along and goes, hey, stop pretending in your faith. Sweeps that aside and goes, Cameron, stop pretending. It's very easy for us to want to be perceived by our peers, by our friends, by good people, as good people. By our family, we want to be perceived as good people. By our peers, by our friends, we go, we go through life and we're like, I want people to look at me nicely. We want people to view us, uh, we want to be viewed by the people we value as somebody who has value. And Jesus isn't saying that these things are, are wrong or bad. He's not saying that charity is wrong or bad. He's merely saying that they can be done with the wrong motivation. They can be done with the motivation of oneself rather than the authenticity of a love for God and a love for your fellow human being. He's saying, be mindful that you do it out of the authenticity of your love for God and your love for your neighbor rather than love for yourself. Don't try and maximize the exposure of what you're doing in terms of charity. If I'm kind to you, if I, if I get some, and I get some reward out of it, then that actually lessens the beauty of the kindness. But if it's totally anonymous, if it's totally anonymous, if I give you something without writing my name to it, without sharing with it anyone, that's actually what Jesus is talking about as being genuine faith. It can be completely unselfish, something beautiful. I remember seeing this picture of this ingenious homeless man who put a number of containers out in front of him. And he's sitting there on the side of the road. He has a number of containers out in front of him. And he's holding up, a, and, and, and sorry, on these containers are various religions of the world labeled. So he's saying like, oh, atheists, oh, Buddhists, oh, uh, Christians, oh, blah, 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 agnostics, etc., 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 Catholics, etc., all these, all these different labels. So he had a number of these little containers, they're all labeled, and he has a sign holding up and he says, which religion cares the most? And he's creating this com competition, this competitive, competitiveness, because he knows that religions are competitive, and if you're a part of the, the, maybe you're an atheist and you're like, oh, I want to prove that we're not all bad or we're not all uncharitable, blah, 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 I'm going to put in. Or, oh, no, I'm a Christian. Oh, they've got like $20 in the atheist group. Oh, I better put in $20 or $25. 
creating this competition between religious and non-religious people who, who appears to be the best, who is the most generous, which religious group serves the best? Is it the atheists? Is it the Jews? Is it the Buddhists? Is it the Christians? Who's the best? And essentially he's saying, he says, go engage in your, in your performance, go and engage in your competitive performative act on behalf of your religion and, and give, give in charity. If you want to feel good about yourself, cool. Or the group that you're a part of, then go right ahead and give me some money. One pastor said, kindness is kindest when it's anonymous. Kindness is kindest when it's anonymous. It's interesting to read some of the stories that are from Jesus. When, when Jesus helps somebody, when Jesus casts out somebody's demon, when Jesus heals somebody, he actually tells that person, hey, hey, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone that I've done this. Because he's practicing what he's preaching. The second section, talking about prayer, from verses 5 through to 15, he talk, there's, a, there's a fairly substantial uh, chunk talking about prayer. But Jesus wants to say, prayer can be done in the same way. I recall going to church when I was quite young, maybe, maybe around the, what was it, 15, 16 years old mark? When I was quite young, and on this particular Sabbath, there was a special Sabbath, and, and so there was conference represented there and other church pastors because it was a regional. And there was other members from other churches. And I remember this particular elder getting up to do the prayer for the service, and he started praying. And I only remember this because when this particular elder usually prayed, it was nowhere near as long. But he was going hard 10 minutes into his prayer, going hard, praying for this, praying for that, praying for that church, this church, that, that event that's happening in the world. And I know this because I looked at my watch during the prayer and I was like, hang on, when did he start? It was like 10 minutes ago. And usually when it wasn't Sabbath regional, he would just get up, do his prayer when he was on duty as an elder, get up, do his prayer. Sit down, it might be two minutes, three minutes, four minutes long, but it wasn't ten minutes. There weren't any big there usually weren't any big wigs, big wig, big wigs from the conference or, or, or uh, pastors from other churches there representing. And he just prayed simple prayers. But the, pro, the prayer was finally over after about 15 minutes. And I'm not saying don't pray. Prayer is a fantastic thing. I'm not saying don't pray. What I'm saying is the same thing that Jesus is saying here. Don't be demonstrative about your prayers. Don't be loud about your prayers. Don't be like, hey, look at me. I'm praying now, everyone. Dear Father in heaven... If you look at the example that Jesus shows us, the Lord's Prayer that I just read before, our Father that, uh, in heaven, it's short. It's like maximum of one to two minutes. It's to the point, it covers a few key things, it's done, and Jesus says, hey, when you pray, pray like this. 
Don't pray this exact prayer. Like, that's not what he's saying. He says, pray like this, with similar principles, with similar focuses, with the principles that come out of the Lord's Prayer. Pray like that. And I know maybe some of you know your Bible fairly well. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, pray without what? Pray without ceasing. So you do know. Good. Excellent. Pray without ceasing. But that's not in the context of how somebody might pray at the front of the church or praying in a prayer meeting or before a meal or before you go to bed. That's not what it's talking about. It's not saying pray without ceasing in church and so the whole program is just church. I'm just sorry, just prayer. What it's meaning is being an attitude of connection and receptiveness and worship to God. Being connected to God, not just at church time, not just before your meal, not just when you go to bed or wake up in the morning, being connected with God all the time, being receptive to God, listening for God, worshipping God, not just through your devotionals, not just through prayer meeting, not just at church on a Sabbath, all the time. And the same as charity can be really about, really about myself rather than others, prayer can really be about myself rather than my conversation with God. And so Jesus says, you know what? Don't be on a street corner when you pray. Don't be uh, in front of a whole lot of people in the synagogues or the church when you pray. Don't, but, go, but rather than being in front of everyone, go into a quiet place. Go into a place where no one knows that you are. Go into a room where no one can observe what you're praying so that it's a genuine prayer. Conversational prayer between you and your heavenly Father. Some of the best prayers I've ever prayed are in my car. When I'm just driving along because I'm there by myself, just praying to God, unleashing to God the, 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 the concerns of my heart, the fears of my heart. I'm genuine from the very bottom of my heart going, God, this is me unleashed towards you. In fact, my most genuine prayer was where I was angry at God. And I was saying, God, why did you let this happen? Why? Aren't I doing this for you? Aren't I doing that for you? Why are you letting this happen? And God goes, it's not about what you're doing for me. It's not about what you're doing for me. I love you regardless. And this is a bit of a time where, Cameron, you need to just stop and bask in my relationship and my love for you. Now, just to clarify, I'm not saying that we should do away with public prayer. What I'm saying, and what Jesus is saying, is that when our prayers, our prayers need to be genuine. They need to be from the heart. They need to be without performance to anyone else around us. And the third section, fasting. And just like charity, just like prayer, Jesus speaks to this common form of a performative religious fasting. Where people would fast and they'd let you know that they're fasting. They're fasting and they would be all have this morose look on their face, a wounded look on their faces. And if you asked, hey, are you guys going all right? They'd be like, oh, 
I'm fasting. But internally they're saying, see how religious I am. See how holy I am. Look how, afflict, how much I've afflicted myself in my journey towards God. Are you doing that? If not, look how good I am. And just a note here, yes, usually fasting in, in the times of Jesus meant abstaining from food. And fasting was a good thing. Because fasting is this thing where you're not focusing on, on, on receiving or, or like especially in the, in the idea of food. Fasting was this idea that God is my provider. It's not about me getting food or eating food or things like that. It's about me, uh, my relationship with God and me growing with God and putting my trust and my faith genuinely in God. But here today, we don't necessarily do much of the food fasting because you can do other fasts. You can fast from food today, absolutely, but there are other things that we need to fast from, like fasting from TV, or fasting from your computer, or fasting from social media, or fasting in things, so fasting in nature, fasting with connecting with your family, etc. There can be all these other different types of fasts that you can do today. And that might sound boring if you're, oh, I can't use my computer, or I can't do social media, or I can't do things like that. And it might sound boring and go, oh, Cameron, really? Don't, I don't want to be bored. My phone is very interesting. I've got lots of games. I've got social media. I can connect with people. I can text people. I can watch lots of videos and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's important for us to be bored. I think there's times where it's important for us to be bored and to have those times where we're bored enough to sort of start thinking introspectively and growing introspectively. One author actually says, to be bored is to stop reacting to external worlds and to explore the internal one. And once again, Jesus says, it's not about how other people are viewing you when you do a fast. It's not like when I come up, like if I decide to fast from my phone or fast from social media, I'll go, oh, I'm fasting from my phone. It's such a loss for me. Feel sorry for me. Or feel like I'm doing a really good thing. He's not saying that. Don't do that. Keep it genuine between God and you. That's the most important thing. And I think it's very interesting that mankind doesn't shift really through the centuries. We are all inclined to a performative religion. We're all inclined to do good things in the hope that somebody notices us but we're called to a higher standard of this sort of secret goodness, of doing the right thing, not because you'll look good, but because it's right. Because it's better for you, because it doesn't encourage selfishness or a look towards self, it encourages a selflessness like Jesus. And at the end of Matthew chapter 25... Jesus actually defines two groups of people. And when looking at these two groups of people, he, he, taught, he wants to speak to the people that have a genuine faith with him, have an authentic faith with him. And he says, hey, you guys, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you guys took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And how do they respond? 
How do they respond? We don't remember doing any of that. They can't recall doing any of it. Because it was so ingrained in their lives, it was so ingrained in their instincts to love God and love others, that it wasn't something that they were performing. It wasn't something that they're like, hey, look at me, guys, I'm going to visit somebody in prison. Hey, look at me, guys, I'm dressing somebody who's naked. Hey, look at me, guys, I'm giving water to somebody who's thirsty or food to somebody who's hungry. It wasn't about that, so they don't recall it, and they're just going, hey, I was just loving people like God loves me. It wasn't like checking off a bunch of things on a checklist. It was because they were being a part of the kingdom of heaven. They didn't let, as Jesus says, they didn't let their right hand know what their left hand was doing. It is the direct outflowing of a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus because Jesus knows and sees all of it. All this pretentious performative religion needs to give way to the authentic article of a relationship with God that spills over, that bleeds over into a genuine love and service for others that actually has the other person in mind rather than oneself. In all three of these categories, Jesus says they have their reward. Have their reward. The people who, the people, their reward is the people that see them doing charitable deeds. The, the, their reward is the people seeing them pray loudly. Their reward is the people that see them do this demonstrative act of fasting. That's their reward. That's it. That's their reward. They've got their reward. But Jesus has a reward that won't wane or wander like people's opinion of you. And so he says, lay up your treasures in heaven. That's where the eternal treasure will be stored. There's no fickleness of people's opinions or thoughts about you. There's only God's thoughts towards you and that's the only one that matters. All these areas of your religious life that you're doing them because you like the way people look at you, You like how people perceive you. The question is, is it more important how God sees you? Because because he sees all of you. He sees all of me. And he's seeking an authentic and genuine, real relationship and faith with you and me. My prayer is, I hope... That rather than just coming to church, rather than just going to prayer meeting, rather than just doing your, doing your devotions, that it's out, oh, tick a box, it's something that my pastor told me to do, oh, something that I read in the lesson pamphlet or, or whatever it is, I have to do that, so tick, 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 tick. Oh, I better give something to someone. I better be charitable today. I better fast today. I better pray. No. Make it genuine. Make it authentic. And then only through that will you truly be blessed. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this encouragement to have a genuine, real relationship and faith with you, Lord. That, Lord, you can be fully relied upon because your, your relationship with us is genuine. 
the way you deal with us, the way you work with us, the way you bless us, the way you uh, interact with us and walk through life with us is genuine. That you are genuinely interested and invested in each of our lives here today. And even those people out in our communities, you're interested and invested in their lives, whether they've accepted you or not. And Lord, you seek to have an authentic relationship, not just one that we're going through the motions, not just one where, you know, we're, we're ticking the boxes for you, Lord, one where we're stepping in close to you because we want to be saved, Lord, but we're stepping away because it means changing things in our life. It means having your, your thumb on the pulse of our heart but being fully enveloped, fully engrossed, fully just presented towards you and focused towards you into a beautiful, loving, caring, wonderful, genuine, authentic relationship and love for you, Lord. That those things like charity and fasting and prayer are all good things to do, but not if it's just because we're ticking that box. Only if they're authentic. And so, Lord, I pray that each of us grow in our authenticity, in our genuineness, in our faith towards you. And through that growing and that, in that authenticity and that genuineness, that we will become a light, become a beacon to those around us. That they will see that genuineness, they will see that authenticity and go, hey, that's cool. They're not being hypocrites. They're not being just performative or displaying to us that they're good people, but really they're not that good people. But they live out a true, genuine faith with their Lord and Saviour. I pray this in your wonderful, blessed name, Jesus. Amen.